welcome to our story time. Today we are reading Sorrow of the Dragon Gods by Pam McElprang. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And now, on with our story time. Chapter 2 Thick blood poured from Lieutenant Merrick's nose as he fought for breath. His hands were bound with ragged ropes at his sides, and he could hear the boisterous cackles of his goblin captors. With bile welling in his throat, he struggled against his bonds. The rocky surface scratched the exposed flesh of his chest. The goblin guards stood over him and laughed without mercy, kicking him crudely in the side. This time, they had something to bring their mistress, someone who had failed. They swung their spiked clubs with great enthusiasm, tearing jagged slices on his shoulders, shredding his privileged green uniform, and ripping it roughly from his body until he wore only the scraps left to cover his legs. Merrick looked carefully at his goblin guards as they taunted him. They were, as far as he could tell, much like large, green, muscular men. Each had a round, olive face, with dull orange eyes and thick, greasy tufts of hair. They stood about eight feet tall and moved with the pronounced sway Merrick had previously associated with that of a drunken troll. Their massive arms dangled absently at their trunk-like sides, and they carried their dangerous clubs like an extension of themselves, swinging them as if the clubs were needed for balance. If not for their surprisingly human need to taunt him, he would have thought them, at most, simple creatures. He now had no doubt as to their vicious intelligence in their ways of making a man talk. Shuddering with dread, he realized that they might just tear him to shreds out of sheer boredom, or perhaps they would grow weary of their torture and finally remember their orders and escort him into the castle of the Mistress Angeline, the notorious necromancer of the land of the dead. There was no coming back from this failure. His life was forfeit, he was sure of it. The Mistress wasn't known for forgiveness, and the blood oath quest she had sent him on had resulted in absolute failure. When a warrior sealed their pledge in blood before a quest, they had to return with honor or be bound by the covenant that demanded their sacrifice. He had always been drawn to the more sinister powers of the dark, but losing his faith in the light seemed the more costly mistake. If he had kept his covenant with the dragon gods, he would never have allowed her to seduce him never have followed her seductive promises, and never have pledged himself her agent. He certainly would never have betrayed his fellow soldiers before. 
not for anything. A goblin grunted with the effort of kicking Merrick in the side. For a moment, the world spun in shaking torment as Merrick fought to regain his breath. He watched a tear roll down his own nose, landing in the puddle of blood forming below his chin. He had failed his mistress. He wished suddenly that he hadn't used underworld magic to cause a terror in the gateway between the realms, that none of this would be happening, and thousands of people wouldn't be dead at his hands, only for him to be sacrificed to the undead army as the price of his failure. Get up, filthy scum, taunted one of the goblins. It muttered that it'd be more fun to drag him into the castle in pieces than to let him walk in as if they hadn't done the proper job at torturing. One nudged him with a club, as if seriously reconsidering their task. With a sigh, Merrick got clumsily to his feet, but he stood as tall as he could manage for his captors. He wouldn't deny her will. If he was to die, he was ready. Trembling uncontrollably now, Lieutenant Merrick gazed uneasily at the Grand Palace. It perched, ominous, on a great summit of gleaming ebony rock in the crowned city of Durasi in the land of the dead. The immense castle seemed to reach for eternity up into the murky gray skies. The towers spiraled into thick clouds, as if claiming the sky for the necromancer's evil dominion, set down by a divine mandate from above. He knew Mistress Angeline to be young, but she was already an accomplished necromancer, and had sought to gain complete political control over the council in her adolescence. No one knew for certain, but it was suspected that another, more powerful hand guided her momentum. Merrick had heard whispers that the demon god Scythe had augmented the mistress's powers with his own, and with the demon god at her side, the mistress had mercilessly slaughtered every leader in her path, rising amongst the ranks as one of the most powerful, dangerous leaders in the land of the dead. The dragons, too, fell under her control and remained now only as bone dragons, a gruesome vestige of the creatures they once were. Despite her desire for domination over the realm, she was also known for having spent years practicing the darkest arts for her own intimate pleasures. Many stories floated about the realms, depicting her grisly taste and a propensity for selecting the best of her lovers to join in the ranks of her undead advisors. One such man, Krimmel, used to be a powerful necromancer of his own land, but he fell for the dark seductress and was taken as her companion. Merrick knew that Krimmel now flew Mistress Angeline around her realm as a bone dragon. After a bit of bickering, the goblins decided who was to lead Merrick into the castle. Others moved about, nervously gathering their supplies, 
for the first time showing any emotion other than a fondness for torture. With unexpected force, Merrick's captor snatched his bound arms and forcibly hauled him to the rear of the procession, bringing the march up the castle walk and inside the imposing chambers of the mistress. Merrick was somewhat surprised to find that the inside of the palace was carved from the purest white marble he had ever seen. For a moment, he was struck by the severe contrast. Soon, however, the crimson carpets and ebony sculptures were introduced, and the ambiance was once again undeniably evil. The goblins stopped suddenly in a cluster behind an immensely ornately crafted doorway. Merrick fell to his knees as they had a silent but vicious shoving match to determine who would open the door and announce their prisoner. With aggravated snarls, they nominated the one currently leading Merrick, who stomped furiously forward and pushed the chamber doors wide while dragging Merrick behind like a toy. The massive doors groaned in protest, and a cool gust of wind escaped from the menacing chamber beyond. The goblins seemed more terrified than Merrick as they suddenly froze in their tracks. A vicious dragon snarl signaled they were to enter. The goblins snapped to attention, shoving Merrick eagerly before them, impatient to hand their bounty over. Merrick paused at the chamber entrance, unable to take his eyes from the absolute magnificence of the mistress Angeline. Though he had seen her on brief occasions, the sight of her still took his breath away. Mistress Angeline stretched out on her golden throne. Her body sprawled comfortably about the lushly upholstered arms. She stroked the snout of the infamous bone dragon Krimmel, who sat proudly next to her right side, towering twenty feet high in his crouch on thick bone haunches. The spot to her left was empty, though Merrick knew it usually would have been filled by the Minotaur Linder, also known to most as the Master. Secretly, he was glad the Minotaur wasn't present. He was nearly as terrifying a presence as the mistress herself. The master was a warrior of great renown in the land of the dead. A general of the mistress's undead army, Lindor had been under her command since she gained control. It was said that he was once second in command to the demon god Scythe, and even had a hand in raising Mistress Angeline. A brief romance had blossomed between the two dark souls, but Angeline quickly grew tired of the banality and preferred to select her interests when passion struck her. To keep the master busy, she often sent him on quests to the land of solace to foster relationships with the nascent witches and wizards who had not fully committed to the realm of light. Turning wizards, was the master's primary objective, as they offered eyes into the land of solace and could create subversion and chaos for the land of the dead. 
gave an involuntary shudder as he remembered his first meeting with the master. The frightened goblin shoved Merrick into the chamber with such force that he stumbled and landed hard, sliding on his face across the smooth marble flooring. He sprawled awkwardly, resting his chin on the floor to regain his senses. Crimmel bristled as the goblins gaped in terror, emitting a low growl of warning. Mistress Angeline motioned her dragon to silence. With raptor intensity, she examined the trembling goblins. Her voice was silkenly smooth. You live only to obey my orders. Her eyes took in Merrick's exposed back and the deep marks he knew to be there. It appears that you've taken it upon yourselves to torture this soldier before I've had a chance to speak with him. She paused, thoughtfully looking at each goblin. You know that makes me angry. She summoned the largest goblin forward with an impatient wave of her hand. Merrick knew it to be the leader of the group because it wore a thin copper crown atop its greasy tuft of hair. Merrick knew without a doubt that it was best to keep out of her way, unwilling to stand and endanger himself needlessly, but now profoundly worried that he should get out of the way. Merrick inched himself slowly across the floor on his stomach, edging to the left of the throne, where the Minotaur usually waited. Stumbling forward, orange eyes wide with fear, the goblin came to her throne, he almost fell into her lap with a bow. She smiled at him and watched as he quaked before her. Let's just get one thing clear. You all obey me. Mistress Angeline gave an almost imperceptible nod to Crimmel, who leapt instantly to his four immense bone feet, each the size of a man. His enormous bone wings shivered as he stretched to his full size, towering forty feet high in the grand marble chamber. Reflecting candlelights from the smooth marble walls revealed that his white bones were beneath a thin layer of translucent flesh. Every bone was visible, and every bone crackled with tension as the dragon moved. The goblin leader stood completely still, Sweat rolling down his pock-marked cheeks as Crimmel leaned towards him, a giant maw of bone and fangs. Crimmel's enormous red eyes flashed in appreciation as he snapped the goblin leader from the floor, tearing them from limb with his claws. Screams of agony pierced the silence of the chamber, echoing so loudly that Merrick wished he could cover his ears. All eyes were transfixed as Crimble merrily thrashed the goblin around, spraying the chamber with gore and viscera until the screams stopped. Crimble delighted in his treasure, and he leaped suddenly with great wings buffeting the air as he soared towards the ceiling, crunching on the goblin with hearty fervor. Bits of bone and flesh scattered the chamber floor and thick, Sticky splashes of blood 
sprayed the frightened cluster of goblins. Satisfied with his snack, Krimmel floated smoothly back to the mistress and purred with pleasure. The mistress stretched her legs upon the throne. She gazed at Krimmel with what looked turmeric like lust in her eyes. Krimmel isn't the only bone dragon in my employ. Take leave of my palace, goblins, she said. Scrambling for the exit, the goblins turned on their heels and closed the chamber door tightly behind them. After a moment, Mistress Angeline turned her attention to the wounded soldier that lay unmoving before her. She tapped a lacquered nail on Krimmel's nose as she considered Merrick. Standing from her serene perch on the throne, her gown trailed in wisps to the floor. The gown was almost translucently maroon, shimmering in the light from the candles mounted about the chamber. More than a garment, the gown accentuated the length of her toned body, cut so low in the front as to reveal the lower muscles in her stomach, and with a slit on the left thigh so high that it revealed virtually all of her alabaster leg. Around her left wrist, she wore a small, moon-shaped amulet of amethyst that dangled elegantly on a thin silver chain. It swayed rhythmically with her movements. Merrick could not take his eyes from her and blushed with embarrassment at the intensity of his sudden arousal. She was taller than expected, with hair so dark it shined radiantly, cascading in voluminous curls down to her waist. Her eyes were a shocking violet, and her smile disarming as she schooled her expression into a seductive pout. You've put me into an unfortunate position, my dear lieutenant, she said. With slow movements, she casually flicked the amethyst amulet at her wrist. I don't like being disappointed like this. Moving to his knees before the necromancer, Merrick spoke in a hurry, stumbling over his words. Mistress, I know that one of great power has awoken, and chosen one of the light, a young girl. There is great confusion about the prophecy, because some powerful source is protecting the truth. Remembering the rest, he whispered, and the palace of dark believes her to be a great threat to your powers. Her eyes darkened menacingly. She grabbed his shoulders, pulling him to his feet as she pressed the entire length of her body against his. He trembled in delight as the sensation of her magnificence against him sent shivers down his spine. Her scent overwhelmed him, and he felt dizzy with pleasure as her hands reached to stroke his hair lightly, kindly even. His breath came raggedly as she touched her voluptuous lips to his neck and whispered an enchantment into his ear. He stood still, waiting, confused, terrified, aroused. Though you have failed me, Lieutenant, 
I will give you another chance, she murmured. She gazed at him with a smile that he fought to see as deadly rather than seductive. Tell me, my dear, what creature would you wish to be? And this, my darling, ends our story time for today. As always, have very sweet and creepy dreams. Good night.